EOMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. On October 30th and 31st, the StarCityGames.com Open Series hits Charlotte, North Carolina, and this event is going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $10,000 in cash prizes, at least eight players qualifying for the 2010 StarCityGames.com Invitational, live coverage on the StarCityGames.com website, tons of side events, and as much Magic the Gathering as we can pack into one weekend. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Charlotte, and we'll see you there. Hi, this is Ken Nagel. This is Patrick Chapin. Hi, this is Evan Irwin. And you're listening to Yo! MTG Taps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 43 of Yo! MTG Taps. This is Joey Pasco, and I'm joined by Big Head Joe and last year's Maryland State champion, Lloyd Frias. So uh, today we've got a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to do a uh, kind of... Some talk about the current metagame and standard, um, starting off with states, because uh, both of these guys participated, and then uh, then we'll go over Star City Games Nashville, and then the uh, TCG Player 5K in Boston. So uh, I'll let you guys go ahead, so tell us about your testing for states and what you played and uh, the experience. Well, basically, Joe and I, we uh, talked right around when Scars was about to come out, Joe and I met roughly almost every single day to play test for a couple hours basically took kind of the uh, top eight of uh, the first wizard world tournament in new york as kind of setting up our gauntlet the the gauntlet that we had was um a mono black deck that lloyd and i had put together that was kind of silly but it was just our first idea looking at the new cards and going hey phylactery lich is really good and getting the artifact destroyed that you have with Phylactery Lich kind of sucks. So why don't we use Darksteel Axe? Because it's indestructible. It's one of those things that it's a deck that we looked, we kind of worked with. But at the same time, we were also testing other decks out. Like we tested Billy Moreno's um, Cadolta Rebirth. Um, there's that. Plus we did, uh, what, Maxima Calls and Tower Gauntlet from Star City, I think, before Stage was the other thing we tested. Mm-hmm. Um, I was originally on... Um, Chapin's blue black build that he had put out with like the Eldrazi, um, with the spreading season Eldrazi um, mechanics using All's Dust and uh, the Eldrazi temples and the Eye of Ugin uh, Worm Coil Engine deal. So, like, I was on that for a bit. Um, I really like black for Memoricide and Doomblade because I thought Doomblade was a really was a much better removal than something like Condemn, which is conditional because Condemn sucks versus like Fauna Shaman and you don't want to have too much like spot removal. So I went with I tried to get Doomblade as a removal. So what I ended up doing was I kind of made an Esperish list, uh, blue white splashing black for Doomblade and Memoricide, and I also had Malachir Blowwitch in the sideboard, but that got too greedy and wasn't that effective. But that's what I ended up running for states, and I thought it was pretty effective. Um, I mean, I ended up drawing with uh, Kurt, who ended up winning states. Um, what was uh, Kurt actually playing? Kurt Spice, who actually... Uh, or, uh, he was playing blue-white with um, Contagion class to like proliferate out either Planeswalkers or Luminarch Ascensions. Okay. Um, did you watch that, um, that Magic Talk? There's a guy on uh, YouTube. Uh, he does a show called Magic Talk. Uh, his username on there is Melee, M-E-L-E-E. Two two four, and um, he has a video up there. Magic Talk twenty nine, 
it talks about the finals uh, decks from Maryland States this year. Uh, I met him there, and he told me about his thing that he does. Uh, but um, anyway, he's got the list. I mean, my point is he has his the list of Kurt Spice's deck um, on that video. And I think, and like, I think, like Lloyd was saying, it has Contagion Clasps, it has Luminarch Ascensions, Frost Titans. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that he had the, the like the Contagion Clasps main deck. I was like, huh, it's really weird. You can use it as a. I mean, we were testing that. Like my, my brother is testing that out in the sense that you can use it as to kill a one drop, remove one drop, one to two drop with the minus one counter proliferated. Use the proliferate to pump out your planeswalkers. But I mean, I never had thought about using it with Luminarch Ascension. But I mean, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Joe, what did you end up playing? Um, I played elves, and um, I looked at Craig Wesco's list. Um, from TCG player uh, right before the tournament. And I kind of liked it, but I just didn't like the idea of running, um, so it was like 17 lands or something, three of which came into play tapped. That just felt way too slow for me, or at least way too risky, you know? I felt like I wanted to run 20 lands, and I felt like I wanted to run straight forests, and I wanted to run tectonic edges, which I, I do feel was, was a better choice uh, in terms of ma- making the mana base. Um, one card I was really expecting to see a lot of, uh, due to the, uh, uh, resurgence of Valakut ramp, it was, um, uh, Leonin Arbiter. So I was really respecting Leonin Arbiter when I made my, uh, deck building choices. Like I didn't run Fauna Shaman and I didn't run, um, what was the other card? Uh, I didn't run Fetchlands because I just didn't want to have to get blown out by like a three fetch land opening hand and they drop a turn to Arbiter on the play. I just right. felt like that would have been such a blowout and I didn't feel like having to deal with that. Um, so, and plus I didn't really have removal. I, I chose Plummet in my sideboard over Brittle Effigy. So I wanted to make sure that uh, I had an answer to that card and my answer was to respect it. Now, the one thing I, the one mistake I made, I mean, maybe it wasn't a mistake, but I guess I just wound up not facing the things that I expected to face. Um, I expected to see more of the mirror match um, because of, like, Rhett Wesco's list and just a lot of different people talking about the elves list. Um, I also expected to see a lot more pyroclasm because of elves doing so well. I, I, I saw neither another elves deck, nor did I see a pyroclasm all day. So... I think what you were getting at was that you main-decked Leyline of Vitality. I don't think you actually said Yes. That. I main-decked Leyline of Vitality. Um, and, there, I mean, in, in the mirror match, that's obviously an awesome choice because it's going to be like, hey, I've got all the exact same creatures as you, but mine have one more toughness. Um, also, it's really good against, like, the red decks and stuff like that, and it's not a bad choice against Valakit Ramp, especially if they're running Pyroclasm. But, anyway, round six, I got poisoned. um it was cool i mean like i I had a good time regardless like it was a fun match and it was a cool deck i was like all right you know it's good to see like a poison deck do something relevant because i like the deck uh you know i think it's definitely better than uh the people are giving it credit for speaking of poison while we're on that topic did you guys see flores article about the poison the poison build he was uh posting uh no on tcg player yeah i just saw it i think this morning Assault Strobe, Kill Fiend, it's Assault Strobe, Kill Fiend, and Tainted Strike. Since Tainted Strike will give it the plus three, plus oh, you put it, it's like, oh, that's uh, eight poison counters off my Kill Fiend. Have a nice day. Um, it looks like what is, he looks like he has two different um, 
infect decks actually. I'm looking at it now. He's got uh, just a black one with uh, you know Corpse Cur, Hand of the Praetors, Icar Rats, Liliana Vest, Skitherick, Sword Markov, and then Contagion Class, Contagion Engine, Everflowing Chalice, Mind Sludge, Nile Spellbomb, and Sign in Blood. So like uh, obviously just going the mono black kind of thing. He's and and he's obviously proliferating. I think on his blog he has, he talks about that Inflect deck I just mentioned. Right, that's right. It's on Tainted Strike. So he basically takes Tainted Strike and talks about how it combos with Kiln Fiend. Yep. Um, it's neat because I kind of think that you know it's there. It's it's an Infect deck. Like it's playable. Uh, you know maybe it's not tier one. Maybe it is. But I mean, it's something to toy around with and and see if uh, you know. There seem to be a lot of options, like because of something like Tainted Strike. Um, I like the uh, the uh, Rebound spell, the blue one from uh, from Rise of the Eldrazi. Distortion that, Strike. Yeah, Distortion Strike that makes the creature unblockable. Um, that plus seems one. good with uh, yeah. What is it? Plus one, plus zero, oh, and unblockable. Plus one, plus zero, oh, unblockable rebound, and then so basically with kiln feeds, what plus four, plus zero, oh, and rebound unblockable each time it it hit. Yeah, but I mean that I'm I'm thinking of it with infect creatures and not even with kiln fiend. Although oh, you know gotcha, if, gotcha. if you can give kiln fiend infect, then that obviously helps too. But I'm just thinking like you know I'm gonna geez you could you could go uh, skitherix give it haste. And play Distortion Strike on it, and they're dead in two turns, like, just with two cards. Um, you know, because they can't block it, and you give it plus one, plus oh, so it's a five-four haste. And then the next turn, uh, it get you know, you use the rebound spell on it again, and so it's a five-four again, and you just swing. Uh, both times unblockable, obviously. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's just, you know, two cards out of the deck that can just win you if you have them. And um, with other Infect creatures, I think... The distortion strike is pretty relevant too. Just and pump spells. I mean, it's black, blue, green. Obviously, if you want to uh, pump, you, you know, you can use like groundswell and things. But I guess you don't really even have to use green if you don't want to. Uh, there seems to be enough. There seem to be enough infect options to maybe even just go uh, blue, black infect. I like renegade doppelganger in in one of these kind of decks to uh, just kind of you know be an additional hasty infect guy, even though. You know what I mean? You know, you drop yeah. an infect guy and the, the doppelganger swings. So, uh, I like that. So that, and that's, you know, just some ideas. I, I actually sketched out a blue-black infect deck, but I think I just, you know, threw it away. But, you know, it was just like I was sitting there thinking about stuff like Tainted Strike. I was working with Tainted Strike at first, but then I started thinking I'd rather use Distortion Strike for the unblockable part and just use a bunch of infect creatures. But uh, the Kiln Fiend idea seems really good with Tainted Strike, too. You can put all kinds of, like, interesting synergies in that deck with uh, with other infect creatures and, like, Mimic Vat and Renegade Doppelganger. I mean, that seems good, too, where you spit out an infect creature with Mimic Vat, which naturally has haste, and then the Doppelganger copies it, so now you're swinging with, you know, two of the same in- hasty... But infect guy, I really like mimic vat. I mean, I feel like it's been the card that I keep talking about. But it sounds like other people are onto it as well because uh, you know it's showing up in deck lists. Speaking of which, I believe it showed up in the uh, the TCG player first place deck. Uh, Nick Spagnolo, I think, did he he run? No, he wasn't running mimic vat. He was running um, trinket mage into elixir of immortality or. Brittle Effigy or Everflowing Chalice. He doesn't have Mimic Vat in his okay. list. I saw something with uh, with Mimic Vat in it, but uh, 
I feel like I've been looking at so many deck lists recently that I'm like getting different things mixed up. So, uh, so yeah, I guess let's talk about uh, these two big events that happened this past weekend. Um, so I, I, we just mentioned that Blue Black Control won the TCG Player 5K. Um, I believe he played in the last TCG Player 5K a couple weeks ago, and it was a very similar deck. He um, played a Blue White, I think, the week before. I mean, I found his tournament report on Mana Nation where he's talking about that. And he played blue white, and he ended up switching to blue black for states. Um, that's what it was. He played it for states, and that, yeah. because he was playing the uh, Memora side, and uh, and Mike Flores actually featured him on uh, on his top blog, deck. or and was he, it on top decks? It was I think he did it on both. top decks because it was a YouTube video I found of it. Yeah. So I think it's top decks. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely it's on five with Flores. He's got Memora side for the win on October 11th. Um, and he's got a, a YouTube video, Deck Tech Black Blue Control with Nick Spagnolo. So, uh, so oh, you yeah. can see, like he he basically main decks Memoricide. Or what this one? It's a miser's copy, as he likes to put it, because he, it's literally that card. I mean, when Joe and I were testing it, that card resolves against ramp decks. It really, really kicks them down when they're down, because it's like Memoricide naming Primeval Titan. Okay, I'm done. Or, right, uh, it's it's a really really painful move for them when you watch all their primeval titans disappear, and it's even worse when they have one in hand. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous like how much of that deck revolves around like literally one card. But uh, but yeah, anyway, Nick's Nick's list, his blue black list, is pretty interesting. Um, he he goes with uh, the trinket mage, and he's got the uh, brittle effigy, ever flowing chalice for the trinket mage to search for, and um, elixir of immortality as well. Just one copy of that. You factor in, he's got singleton cards that wreck strategies or are just utility, and he's basically running four copies of it, if you think about it, with the Trinket Mage. It's uh, it's definitely got the to- toolbox kind of thing going on, and, and I think that's one of the best things about having Trinket Mage back, because it just gives, it, I don't know, it just kind of brings this whole new toolbox element besides Fauna Shaman, um, you know, to, to the metagame, where you can actually search... For, you know, utility items, I guess. Um, uh, Elixir of Immortality is one of those cards where I looked at it originally when it was released in M10 and was like, wow, that's really neat artwork. And, and, uh, you know, kind of was like... It it wasn't in M10, was it? It I mean, M11. M11. I I looked at M11 and said M10. (laughs) That's okay. I was just making sure. I I was like, was that reprinted? You're right. It's M11. It's Um, fine. Yeah, but I mean, it's somebody called it the best Felden's cane ever, you know, and uh, it, because you know it gains you the five life, and I think the the neat thing about it is that it's uh, you know you play out all your lands over the course of the game, and then use the elixir, and you get back all your business spells. So in, in a long game, it's good just to do that, and then against like aggro decks where maybe the game's not as likely to go as long you've got an extra five life which could really be you know be the difference between the uh the amount of time you need to to stabilize and take control yeah and i mean the other thing too is like you put it back into the deck oh whoop my trinket mages are live again you know yeah that's a good point yeah yeah and if you had something like fencer you could just blink trinket mage and get it back every turn yeah good point (laughs) uh, you got to think about it i think that's i think wizards planned this out because i mean look at brittle effigy if brittle effigy didn't remove itself when you activated it imagine how sick that would be oh my gosh yeah 
it's already one of my favorite cards. Like, I agree. I know. As soon as that card was spoiled, I was like, I must get this card. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys see any more interesting lists in that uh, that TCG player top eight? Um, the the green, blue, red shaman deck. That's something that's pretty original. That's not even, you know, there's nothing comparable to that that I'd seen previously. Yeah, By, that uh, one's second uh, place deck. Yeah, it's like Birds of Paradise, Cunning Spark Mage, Fauna Shaman, Frost Titan, Inferno Titan, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Lotus Cobra, Mem Knight, um, Molten Tail Masticor, Trinket Mage, Vengevine, Worm Coil Engine. It kind of has a, a next level Bant feel to it to me. I guess because of the Vengevines and the Trinket Mage that searches up the Mem Knight to, uh, to trigger Vengevines and Fauna Shaman uh, getting the one ofs. It, it reminds me a lot of like a next level Bant, except it's obviously not. Uh, white. It's got red instead. Yeah, it's got a survival bit with the Spana Shamans, and the interesting part is that you can search up the Cunning Spark Mage with Fauna Shaman and then use the inf- and use the uh, Trinket Mages to get the collar to turn the combo on. Right. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's got the uh, one copy of Chimeric Mass. It's, that's an interesting looking list. So, uh, Jacob Ball won the Star City Games Standard Open in Nashville this weekend with Elves. Obviously, Elves is pretty popular. He's obviously got the uh, Monument, and he's got the sh- the Fauna Shaman package in there. Um, and he is running Nyssa, where, Joe, you're running Garrick. Is that right? Right. Um, the main reason why is because um, the creatures that Nyssa searches up are relevant um, because they're Elves, obviously. But Garrick has other functionality um, Nissa does too. I mean, Nissa gains you some life, which against a red deck can potentially be huge, and it searches up a relevant creature. But my major problem with it is that it makes you have to run like six, basically six copies of Nissa in a way, because you have to run the three crappy elves in your deck and the three copies of Nissa. I'd rather run a creature that's like more relevant. I actually I agree with you because I feel like the win condition of elves is either the Eldrazi Monument or the Overrun ability on Izuri. Like, that's right. how that's how the deck wins. It's like, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to look very, you know, non-threatening with my little 1-1s and 2-2s, but suddenly they're going to take to the sky and I'm going to swing, or I'm going to Overrun with all of them and going to swing. And Garrick just adds you... You know, adds an additional Overrun. Uh, not to mention the fact that he does it the turn after he hits play, so you can go... Garrick, untap two lands, drop two more elves, and now he's threatening. That's eight damage. You know, I mean, just if there were, like, two Llanowar elves or something, next turn, just those two elves on their own and Garrick's ultimate uh, represent, you know, eight eight power worth of, uh, you know, worth of attackers. And I'm assuming you had other creatures on the board when you dropped Garrick. So, like, on just just like that, like, I feel like he's way more of a... Uh, a swingy card. I just feel like Nissa. I mean, she just seems underwhelming to me. I I, I I was never impressed with Nissa whenever I drew it playing it. Um, the other thing is like uh, with a deck running stuff like Vengevine or some of the decks running Leatherback Bailoff, um, Garrett pump ability actually pumps those as well. Exactly. You know, Blue, so, Red, Green, Titan, Ramp also finished second at Star City Games. You know, that's a deck that I'm surprised didn't see as much play as it did, because, I mean, Brad Nelson was on that deck post-San um, Juan, saying, like, this is going to be a good deck. And after he switched off his, uh, you know, his uh, Naya deck, he went, he 
ended up playing Titan, you know, red, blue, green Titan ramp, I think, for states up in North Dakota. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, I, I was surprised there wasn't more of, there isn't more of that in general. I mean, you either have, for Titan ramp, you see either Eldrazi or you see Valica, but not the red, blue, green version. Yeah. Right. You're right. I mean, and it was, uh, it was a big block deck, too. I mean, it wasn't a Titan ramp, but it was it was uh, you know red, blue, green, destructive force, right? Destructive stuff. force, Avenger of Zendikar. Wait, destructive force. That was, M- uh, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like the builds that came out right after M11 had destructive force Titans and right, right, all that stuff. So it's interesting. So right now, looking at you know all these different decks, uh, pretty healthy metagame, although a lot of them are ramp strategies. Um, what do you guys feel like? Or I guess. I just want to know what everybody everybody's playing right now, or what kind of decks you, you're enjoying playing or looking to play, that kind of thing. Um, I'm on. I'm so. I'm trying to make the Esper deck work right now. That I was saying, I ended up um, kind of taking it the same vein as like Chapin's blue, white, red build and putting Venser in. But I'm having second thoughts about that because the real only, the only reasons I have white in the deck are Bane Slayers, Venser. And Day of Judgment. And with the meta shaping up as it is, I'm not sure that all those are even worth it. So I'm actually leaning towards going to a blue-black build. Not exactly like Spagnolo's build. I'm looking more towards uh, Matt Bartmus' build from uh, California States. That's kind of more my build of uh, blue-black. It's It's got a lot more counters and uh, doesn't have the Trinket Mage package, doesn't have the main deck memoir side, but... I think it's a much more defensive deck than blue-white, and I think it's also got the ability to get proactive with the black as opposed to white, which is a much more defensive color. Right. I think because uh, white lost path, it's, it's almost like, well, the removal quality for white has dropped to condemn, which requires a creature to attack, or oust, which uh, is, you know, sorcery, is speed. A sorcery speed. So, so a- it's almost as if you want to go, maybe I kind of want to use black. I don't know. Um, and cre- the, the, uh, the option to use Creeping Tar Pit... And Memoricide seems like it's pretty good right now just because of so many decks relying on maybe, like, one major card. Yeah, I agree, because I, when I was in States, I loved um, Creeping Tarpet much more than Celestial Colonnade. I think I activated Celestial Colonnade twice, but I activated Creeping Tarpet every opportunity I was able to. So, Joe, what are you, uh, what are you playing? Uh, I'm playing Elves. I'm going to keep working on it. Um... Um, I'm actually going to break down and go with the Leatherback Bailoffs. I'm not going to go for the Vengevines, um, just because I don't know they're four drop and I don't I don't know I don't I don't think the Vengevines as great in that deck. Um, I think Leatherback Bailoff comes out a turn earlier. It helps if they're burning out your early mana dorks. You know what I mean? And it's and it's a little maybe a little more defensive, but quickly becomes offensive once you drop like a monument and swing for five. Right. Uh, it's a four or five. It's out of range of Flame Slash and like Molten yes. Tail Masticore. And essentially playing against you with Molten Tail Masticore and literally just like I mean, yeah, I didn't lose because of Molten Tail, but like just losing so much against that deck. I mean, I started to figure out my role in the matchup after a while it's really weird with the new red deck like you're playing elves like um against red usually red is faster so you know they're the beatdown. but it feels like 
Um, the red deck is more of the control deck, which is probably naturally why Joe has it built right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I guess let's uh, just mention that real quick because there's a couple different iterations of mono red. We've seen like Chapin build a, a machine red, which is a lot to do with like proliferating and uh, and cough. And then there was a Cedric Phillips build, which is more of a kind of like a mid-range red deck. It's got early game. It can you know do the uh, turn one goblin guide kind of thing. And uh, but also it's got some control elements because it's got kind of a mid to late game option there. And then uh, then there's the quicker versions which have like the assault strobe kind of uh, you know kiln fiend assault strobe. So those are the more aggressive kind of red decks that we've been um, dealing with in standard pre scars. The kind of like that speed of red. Um, but the version that Cedric Phillips is uh, is championing right now, and I personally love it. Um, it is, you know, it's got the, the Koth and the, uh, Molten Tail Masticor and Cargan Dragon Lord, and it's got the burn spells, but it's got a lot of creatures to take advantage of the Masticor. So, um, so yeah, in that matchup, you're right. Like this particular red deck is slower than that elves deck. So it's kind of, uh, it kind of becomes the control and, you know, elves is the beatdown. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it was interesting. So, I mean, I started to figure out figure that out after a little while of testing which i think is like a really important revelation to come out of our testing you know what i mean like i think that'll be very useful to me and probably will wind up allowing me to win a couple more games uh, in the long run um yeah but i feel like the elves deck is still really really strong and i still feel like with certain other changes it can be even stronger i'm just kind of working out the numbers um you know, definitely paying attention to the lists that are cracking top eights and top sixteens, and especially winning tournaments. Um, Fauna Shaman uh, was originally excluded uh, due to respect for Leon and Arbiter, but screw it, I can just pay the mana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can just pay the two. So yeah, I'm still not running the fetch lands for that reason, and I still think that's the right call. But. Um, I think Fauna Sham is totally fine. That's the other thing with Nissa Ravain, like it costs four. And then it's like, oh, you can't pay two to search for the chosen? That sucks. Like that's a damn blowout, right? Yeah, um, and that happened too. It's like, oh right, I'm gonna cast Nissa. Like, wait, there's a Leonard in the field. It's like, crap, that's a waste of a turn. Yeah. Yeah, you'd yeah, much rather Nissa shut down your one drop than your four drop, right? Right, exactly. So um Or I mean or, two drop, two, yeah, Fauna yeah. Shaman's a two drop. Yeah, but then, but then turn three, I can just pay the three to search for something if I have to. You know, which right. songs have something to play. And then by the time I'm way ahead on mana, I can, you know, search something up and just pay. Um, Fauna Shaman needs to be back in the deck. And thank you to Mike Flores and Flores Rewards. I will have a place at a Fauna Shamans again because I have none. So that was a, a very well-timed uh, win for me. Yeah. And my- might as well. Thank you for mentioning that because I forgot to write it down that uh, we won Yo MTG Taps won consecutive Flores Rewards feats of strength. It was kind of kind of funny because you won the uh, the Fauna Shamans for the uh, thank for the you thank you right and and then I won the uh, I won four of any of the uh, the Scars duels for the Hero of Fiction feat of strength. On uh, floresrewards.com. So if you're not in on that, I mean, it's just a fun way to uh, it's a fun way to just get some chances at winning free cards. So uh, on to some news. 
Um, a couple, well, let's see, I was going to say a couple episodes ago, but it, I believe it was about ten episodes ago, we talked about the rumor for the, uh, that, that Mirrodin Besieged, or, or one of the Scars of Mirrodin Block sets, were actually going to have two different kinds of booster packs based on the, the watermarks, uh, the, the Phyrexian watermark and the Mirren watermark. Well, it turns out that that rumor was at least half true. Because it looks like for the uh, for the pre-release event that is going to be the case, but for the regular, you know, going to the store and buying some packs, you just get the regular kind of it's the regular pack situation. But for the pre-release event, you actually can choose a faction, and uh, actually I don't know if you can choose or you're just given a certain faction. I'm sure you can if if your tournament organizer has the option, they would let you choose, but. Uh, but basically, you're going to be either Phyrexian or Mirren. Uh, so that, that's really... It's something that at least I didn't come to that conclusion. I didn't expect them to do it like, yes, this is true, but only for the pre-release kind of thing. It still looks pretty cool. I think the only concern that's been noted before with the split set idea is what if there's more chases in, like, say, the Phyrexian side than the Mirren side? So does that mean you're stuck with a bunch of Mirren faction packs that no one's going to use? And it's a limited print run of these particular packs, so I don't think that's going to be much of a concern. I mean, what's going to happen? Some people are going to be angry at the pre-release that they didn't get Mirren because that's got the chase rares. Like, it's one event. So as, um, as a TO, right, and, like... As um, as a Magic player, on top of it, like I'm really excited about the faction packs. Part of the fun of this is letting people choose. It's like people pick a side. You know what I mean? That's that's one of the most uh, I think uh, one of the most exciting things from like a player standpoint is being able to choose your faction to go to war with. You know what I mean? Like like make sure you give people the choice. After a while, when one starts running down you can start highly encouraging people to choose the other side so you don't run out of one. And then once people, once you do run out of one, then you can just be like, you're all whatever's left. You know what I mean? But like definitely give people the choice because I think that's like one of the most exciting and fun aspects of this pre-release. Valid concern. I can agree with that. Now here's the other thing that I have a question about. Like, what do we do like as organizers (laughs) What do we do with the leftover packs? I mean, obviously, like, can't, I mean, are they uh, like able to be resold? Like, do That's we keep a them? Really uh, good question. I was, you know what I mean. That was the part that I'm wondering about myself because it's like probably my, prize uh, packs. You know. Like, I don't, oh, that's going to go over really well. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what the prizes are. It's like deal with it. It's the freaking pre-release. Have fun. Stop worrying about. You know, it's it's, it's people that are going to complain. Like, no matter what, it's it's just kind of like. Hey, this is what the prize packs are, and that once these are gone, then we go to like regular scars packs or something like that. I don't know, but I mean, they—it uh, seems like that—that that would be the most likely thing, I think, because I don't think they're going to let you just sell them that way because they might. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work exactly, but that, that seems like the most obvious thing since it's just for this one event. No, I'll have to agree with that. But we're on the topic of um, factions and everything, even for game day coming up at the end of the month. If you have your deck associated with a particular faction, you get an extra preview card from Mirrored and Besieged. Um, now, the thing I'm wondering is how likely is that to happen that you're going to see people doing that and you know, associating their deck with a Phyrexia or Mirren? 
for game day this month? Because, I mean, it's kind of difficult with um, just the one set, really, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing, like, those preview cards, in my opinion, like, I've seen them. So what? Like... Yeah. I have I have absolutely zero interest. Like I think that like if I can if I can align my deck, I will. Like elves is, I think naturally mirror aligned, but I really don't give a crap about getting that preview card. What are they? Like, un- real, they're I, uncommons, I, I, right? They're yeah, uncommon, and they're un uninteresting. Uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, un- so there's no incentive really to to do it. Like it's like oh, I have this card. That I can't use four months before everybody else. Well, I think that's one of the problems with this. As much as it's, you know, kind of a sales pitch in some sense, you're not really trying to get interest or encourage people to do it. Like, it's a benefit. Like, oh, if you happen to do this, here you go. But at the same time, it's like, it's not really that much of an incentive to do it. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the things that might sour people going into the pre-release. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, a pre-release, at least it's like, it's more than one of two cards. You know what I mean? This is true. I mean, it's and just one of those things. Hopefully they're, they're more interesting cards. Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing that's, you know, I don't want people to, like, have a bad taste of, like, this choosing factions thing from game day. But then again, let's be honest, some of the people that go to game day probably don't even care about the factions and just there to, you know, walk out with prize and everything. I think they should have, I mean, they did uncommons. I think they should have done this with two mythic rares. I think that's a one, you know, one Mirren, one Phyrexian, Mythic rares that would get people excited because they would be probably a lot more impressive, and you know, it's no, it's still, you know, they can't use them for four months. Um, give them the the two mythic rares. I think that's a pretty good point right there. I think you know that would have been a great incentive right there. Because I mean, for the release cards right now and the pre-release cards, you have a mythic rare for the most part uh, for your pre-release at least. Right, and it sounds like for Mirrodin Besieged, uh, the it's actually going to be two different pre-release cards because uh, it's for the same reason, the Mirren or the Phyrexian. It says uh, there will be two different pre-release promo cards provided for the pre-release. Everyone will identify as either Mirren or Phyrexian and should receive the corresponding card for that faction. So why not say, here, hey, look, guys, here's the pre-release cards for Mirren and Besieged. Woo, and guess what? You can win them at game day in October if you align your deck. Like they could have used the same cards. And just given, you know, that since they're so limited, you, since you have to, like, win or you have to, like, place in the top however many to get them, now it's like, hey, wow, this is cool. I can get the pre-release promo card early, and it's a Mythic Rare. See, that's, hmm. see well, that thing about the two promos now, that kind of brings me back to my argument of, like, skewing it to one side. Like, what if one pro- it's not balanced in their promo cards and one yeah. is more playable than another? That's going to skew the factions right there and kind of sour up this plan. That's one of the... That's one of my concerns, you know, from the TO perspective as well. And I do agree with Joe that we should give them the option to choose. But if it's going to be the choose, it's going to be one of those things of like, you know, I'm just going to use a bad example from WPN. Your choice is Curse of Wizardry or Ulamog, you know, Pathways or Ulamog. Let me think here. Which one do I want to take? Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think the big argument to that is it's one event, and also first come first serve. Like we're given the choice. Up until a certain point. When it, when it gets to the point where I can't give people a choice, you're all going to get whatever we have. And it's like your fault for showing up late or whatever. And then you can't really complain because it's like, hey, I showed up two minutes before the event or whatever, you know, before sign-ups closed. Um, the other piece of news, a lot more recent, we have uh, 
the the pack order in booster drafts are is changing. So basically, starting with mirrored and besieged drafts will now go from the most recent set to the most to, to the older set in the block. So for mirrored and besieged, for example, you'll draft the mirrored and besieged pack and then two scars of mirrored and packs uh, after that. So they. Um, they're kind of keeping things a little fresh that way. And I, I think it's neat. It's different. And it doesn't, doesn't change much besides the, uh, the approach, I think. I, I think it's, it's going to be a fresh take on things. And, and you're going to have to think about things differently. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same. I think it, I think I agree with you on that one that it's going to do a different approach because usually what happens is that the archetype is built from like the first set of the block. Like if you look from, say, Zendikar and World Wake. Zendikar, you would say, oh, I'm going to go red-white most likely because I've got all these cards and then go into World Wake for the supporting stuff that you know, now you have to consider your options a little more because I think usually the second set doesn't really dictate your draft picks or your archetype that you're going into as often. And this will be a change from that point. But you never know because we haven't seen what Mirrored and Besiege looks like just yet. Exactly. Joe? Um, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I, I love... I love changes like this. I love like switching it up, you know, creating like a new, um, you know, I don't know. I just love new things. (laughs) I love new, I love new standard formats. I love new, uh, you know, new ways to draft. Um, I think it's neat. And like, like, uh, Gavin Verhey said on, uh, said on, uh, Twitter, you know, he's like, I know what you're like. I understand you're keeping the, the older draft format's the same, but hey, anybody want to do a Dissension Guild packed Ravnica draft? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. it just sounds fun. Yes, it's like, pretty neat. And I think I agree with you. I think it's just it's a neat it's a neat change, and we're gonna. I think it's gonna be fun to experience. Yeah. So um, the other news of the weekend is the WPN changes. The uh, Wizards Play Network basically uh, the sanctioned. Events are like pre-releases and F and M and things are only going to be available to store locations and not uh, WPN, I guess, locations that weren't associated with a physical store. Is that correct, Joe? Kind of like the looks like the freelance organizers, like the ones that don't have a store that they spend most of their time at. Those are the ones that are kind of getting hurt by this, it seems. Right. So, uh, I mean, personally, I don't have since this doesn't affect me and. Uh, you know, over the course of my entire magic playing history, this sort of thing would never have affected me because I've always just gone to stores. I'm sure there's people out there that, that, you know, are in a way different situation. So so the bottom line for players is basically that they don't get FNM promos. It sounds like. FNM promos or, or, um, gateway kit promos for non core set sets. Right. So basically the stuff, the free cards that Wizards was giving you, they're not giving you anymore, and people are like flipping out because they. Well, the organizers who aren't who aren't associated with a store will still get event kits and will still be allowed to run and sanction uh, non F and M, non pre release launch parties. Yeah, like, so, so it doesn't sound like that big of a deal that people are like flipping out over it. Like one of the guys I played at States, he was from Northern Virginia. He's a TO. He gives me the impression that he's running his events out of like, you know, kind of like the school cafeteria type still at the college he's at. So this will hurt a guy like that. And I mean, isn't that going to, I mean, I understand the motive and the motivation is to 
reassociate a player base at stores and everything, but that doesn't stores are not the only place a player base can form. The thing is, they're not saying you can't play. Apparently, they're still even letting them be sanctioned. It's not like they're saying now you can't play. They're just really all that's happening is you don't get a Kasali Pride Mage for making top four or whatever. Like, or or, or it seems to me like. They're not taking your cards away and saying no, you can't can no longer play. No, they're not. not so, what I'm saying. I'm saying oh, it's no, the effect I, of like there's. I'm just saying, you know. how is it hurting? How is it hurting somebody? Really, how is it hurting them that they're not getting like the FNM promo? That's really all it seems like it's affecting. What's your motivation then? Because I mean, it's like if you're if if that was one of the great benefits of holding your sanctioned events at like for your group. Now it's like okay, we can do. The same stuff. Now we have to travel further out to a store to get the same benefits. Well, that, that, that's the if that's the benefit, like the benefit or the motivation to play is is to play. It's a game. It's for fun. And and if you win, you can still win packs. You just don't get an F and M promo. Like I don't care that much about F and M promos. Like they're not. It's not like they're these high dollar cards. You know, if F and M promos were twenty thirty dollars, I can see where people would would be a little more upset. But they're not really that big of an incentive and so being like oh i didn't get the alternate art version of this card i gotta go on ebay and spend 12 bucks to get a play set like ooh, big deal i mean it's one of those things that like i i, I know what you're saying and i'm with you in the same boat that i usually don't care about fnm promos but it's one of those things that now it's kind of the idea of because we're not associated with a store we're kind of second class Organizers. That's right. kind of the dis- that's kind of the, um, the impression that's kind of give- being given off here, and I think that's the part that might hurt people. Like, well, okay, if we're going to be second class organizers, why am I going to bother at this point? You know, if I'm not going to be respected for all the support I provided for my community. I think that's the difference, though. I think they are second class. That they're being treat- they're going to be treated like second class organizers because they are because they didn't go through the trouble or they didn't have a store around them that they could associate with. And that's not really Wizards' fault, and it's not really anybody's fault. Like, they can't be, like, angry because they're not associated with a store. They can't put the blame on, like, Wizards. I think it was awesome of Wizards, or that it is awesome of Wizards, to allow people to run sanctioned tournaments without being associated with a store because that, in my experience, they has always been the case. Like, you always have to go to a store or, you know, it's always associated with a store. Only recently have they said, you know what, we're going to let people, we're going we're gonna to stretch here, we're going to branch out and let people do something without even needing to be associated with a store. Okay, well... So, you know what um, I mean? Like, they're second class, yeah, they're... That, but they're still they're getting a lot more than than they ever had before. If if I would say, hey, I'm going to sanction an event on Friday night, we just don't have the F and M promos. Like it really doesn't change, except the F and M promos not there. there. I don't see any difference to anybody's pocket other than F and M promos or gateway promos. Apparently, you know, like that just seems so like such a little thing to even be worried about. I don't know, but okay, is, is it rant time? Yeah, go ahead. Go rant time. So, um, I went to deckcheck.net the other day. Um, I maybe a couple days ago, like saw a message about it getting shut down. So I'm going to read you, uh, the note that the guy put here at the top of the page. Please note because of recent activities from Watsy's side for smaller parts, this talking about magic draft sim.com being shut down probably for, doing draft simulations on a website, which is clearly uh, against, you know, Watsi's policies. And for bigger parts, this talking about uh, the uh, 
store affiliations are now required for launch parties, FNMs, etc. This site will be taken down on October 22nd. It's my decision and not some sort of takedown from Hasbro. I do it because I don't support a game that doesn't support its players. I will not sell the site, the domain, or my database, so please refrain from asking. A big thank you very much to all the players, TOs, and judges who submitted deck lists and who supported this site during its time being. Yours truly, Evil Burned. Now, Evil Burned, which isn't even his real name, which is clearly just some message board name, um, thinks he's creating some big waves by doing this, I'm sure. All he's doing is hurting the people that he says he's thanking in this message. Exactly. Um, he says he doesn't support a game that doesn't support its players. No. You don't support the game either way. You support the players with your service. And taking away your site only hurts the players. You are as bad as Wizards. Worse than Wizards. Because Wizards still supports its players. Because Wizards has options for getting affiliated with the store. Stop bitching, start brewing. Go find a store. Get affiliated with the store. This isn't doing any good, you know? Going I'm gonna like going on a message board and going, I'm gonna quit magic because uh wizards changed artifacts from brown to silver. Goodbye. Have fun playing Naruto. I don't give a crap. You know, like get out. Go. Like just leave. It's fine. I don't I don't I don't I don't wanna I don't want you know, I don't want to play against you. I don't really care if you play the game or not. Um, you know, there are ways around these things. There are ways to solve these problems other than throwing your hands up in the air and going, I quit. You know, if, if that were the case, if uh, if people quit every time Wizards changed something, there wouldn't be any Magic players or any Magic because everyone would have quit. But apparently people figure out, oh, well, things aren't really that bad. All I have to do is make this slight little change my, uh, you know, my lifestyle. God forbid someone, uh, you know, impose change on me. But it's, it's just, I mean, deckcheck.net was a great resource, or is, or was, whatever. A great resource. A lot of people used it. That's great. And you're, like, everybody appreciated that. And I think, like, I think a lot less of deckcheck.net and I'm going to have a bad taste in my mouth whenever I think of deckcheck.net because this guy basically is throwing a temper tantrum and instead of like trying to do something constructively and saying, you know, I really don't like this. I'm going to write to Wizards or I'm going to write this article and post it on the internet and everybody, you know, if you agree with me, maybe send something similar to Wizards because I don't like this. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum and I'm going to shut down my website because that does uh, nothing to Wizards. You know, it's right. like, yeah, it says a big thank you very much. I really, like, read that as sarcasm. I know I know it's not intended as sarcasm, but that's what it sounds like. A big thank you very much to all the players, like, because I'm going to shut it down and screw all you guys. So, whatever. Like, it was a great resource, and, you know, maybe he'll change his mind. I don't know or honestly care, but... uh I guess I care for the people that really use this site a lot as a resource. I care for their sake, but like this guy, you know, stomping his feet is just—it just seems dumb. Like, can you, you can do things. You you seem like you should be able to do something like an adult and not like a child. Here's here's my suggestion to all of our listeners: somebody go and create a website that does the exact same thing. And um, start uh, and uh, 
you know, get some advertising from like a couple bigger sites. Yeah, somebody else is just going to do exactly what he's doing, but do it in a way that might be a little more profitable for them. And uh, and that's fine, you know, like uh, I think that this is a site that deserved um, – that was good enough that um, I wouldn't have been upset if there were ads on it. I appreciate the fact that there weren't any ads, but you know what? Someone could make a lot of money doing this exact same thing and maybe doing it a little more savvy uh, with, uh, with some more opportunities uh, to make money off of it, frankly. Um, you know, he won't sell the site, so who cares? Then somebody make another site. Well, here's a question for you. I mean, on that idea that you're putting out, aren't sites like Star City and TCG Player already doing this kind of stuff? I mean, what distinguishes Deck Check from those two sites? That's my question. I mean, because I honestly don't see that much of a difference at this point. Do you I, know? I have no idea because I, I honestly don't use Deck Check. I used it, like, occasionally. I was aware of it, and occasionally I'd look like, but... I mean, I would use it for its, I think, its advanced search, search options. So, like, I'm like, hmm, I really want to play with Sphinx of Jwar Isle. I want to see what kind of decks it's being used in. So, like, that's what I would do. Like, standard decks with Sphinx of Jwar Isle. And it would show me some and whatever. Like, Oh, but, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. You know, like, that that kind of thing. But uh, it's an opportunity to somebody who wants to pick up the ball and run with it if he doesn't, if he chooses not to. But... I'll tell you this, this kind of thing isn't going to get WPN network rules to change so that non-stores can get FNM promos again. Like, this this doesn't make any sense. This isn't going to do that. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, so, upcoming events. We have uh, Grand Prix Toronto is coming up this weekend, October 23rd and 24th. It's Scars of Mirrodin Limited. Uh, our buddies from the A-Team, at least some of them, will be up there. Um... Then we have Grand Prix Bochum on uh, October 30th and 31st, which is next weekend. It's also Scars of Mirrodin Limited. Um, and then also next weekend, we have the Star City Games Open Series Charlotte. Uh, it's standard on Saturday, Legacy on Sunday, as always. Um, and, you know, the, just another opportunity to play with some Scars of Mirrodin stuff in standard and, and Legacy. So uh, on that note, I think we'll, we'll wrap up. Anybody have any closing remarks? Good riddance, deck check. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come, but I wasn't going to say it, but I figured Joe was going to say it. Right on. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. EOMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website... I want my mtg.com for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at yomtgtaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at yomtgtaps. Bye. Now we just sing the theme music. You guys were doing. Yeah, shh, don't tell anybody we just didn't do that. It is. It is the Gremlins theme song. I just wanted like that's a Gremlins theme song. Holy crap.